good morning. Man, isn't it? You know, there are some days when you wake up and you're like, I'm glad I woke up early. And today was a day. Um, Houston doesn't always feel like today, amen? And so we need it. Just a couple of things before we get into the sermon. You go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 6. Uh, we'll be in Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 15. We'll go all the way down to 23 today, just so that you can be ready and prepared uh, for what's going on with that. Um, but in that, I got to spend the weekend with 27 men. We had our men's retreat uh, this weekend, and as we did, and as we pulled through that, um, it was an amazing time to get away and to build that connections. And so, if you are a man in the room or, or listening online, uh, that was the kickoff of our men's ministry re-engaging. And so, I want to invite you and encourage you to keep your eyes open uh, for what is going on in the men's ministry and what the Lord is doing uh, through all of those things. I'm afraid, just a note, will you check the monitors for me to make sure? I don't want to yell at everybody today. I've been accused of being a screamer, and I'm, I want to go against that this morning. And so as we do uh, walk through this today, I want to share with you a story. And uh, I shared this with the men this weekend. I didn't intend to share it today, but as I was preparing for it, for this sermon, I just thought, this is how I want you listening uh, for God's word, not just uh, throughout the week, but specifically today. Um, you know that I I journal, and if you ever like, well, I just wish I journaled. My journals are often three sentences. Amen. So underachievers unite. Like we, that's what I call journaling, right? So three sentences about a passage or something along those lines. Um, but I read a passage of scripture, and I want to read it to you to prepare you for what we're talking about today, because today is is rooted in this tension between now and then. Um, and so in uh, Matthew 16, 1 through 4, so you don't have to turn there, you can write it down. The Bible says the Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But when he replied to them, when it's evening, you say it's fair weather, the sky is red. In the morning, you say there'll be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, um, but you can't discern the signs of the times? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given to it except a sign of Jonah. And he left them, and he went away. And these are just the, the few sentences I wrote out, and I sent it to my, my family, my, my clan, if you've been here before, which includes the uh, fiancé, right? So this is the extended family text message. But I want to share it with you. I wrote, we look for that which is important to us. We do this every day. If the kingdom of heaven is an afterthought, then we will never see it coming. Therefore, our hearts, at the very least, will miss the joy of living with eternity on the horizon of every sunrise and every sunset. And, and I want you to know, our, our world is fallen. Our sin has made its way through the world, through every heart and every life. And in that, what it does is that it, it demands that we get caught up in the day. And here's what I mean by that. I want you to think for just a moment. When's the last time you stop and took in a sunrise? Driving to work, being blinded does not count, right? When's the last time you stop and took in a sunrise? Y'all, it's like it's 7 o'clock or something now. There's no, there's no good excuse. How about a sunset? When's the last time you stopped and took in a sunset? For me, we were at the beach a few weeks ago, and I thought, it's so beautiful. 
and y'all, the word beautiful in Galveston, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? But, but it really was, I don't slow down and in delight in this very often. And, and what I want you to know is each week when we come together, my prayer is that as you leave here, what God's word says, it makes your eye seek eternity. And I would prefer you miss the details of today. Because I think what God, that's what God's calling us to. That's what his word's leading into us with. And in Romans chapter 6, this verse 15 through 23, in here is so much goodness um, that I want us to catch it. So let's start off with Romans chapter 6, verse 15. We're going to read just the first sentence in Romans chapter 6, verse 15, as we get started today. The Bible says this, What are we then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? What are we then? Are we to sin basically because we're under grace? Are, 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 are we to just do what we want? Are we to, are, are, since we, we believe that we have been saved by Jesus Christ, then are we to just sin? Kind of have the boast of, best of what the world has to offer and what God has to offer if if grace is so good as we've been talking about and if if I'm planted in that grace you remember that the plant it's it's not alive anymore from a few weeks ago but but it it wasn't planted in grace it was planted in Lowe's but but if I'm planted in grace then why not just let grace soak it up and just do what I want when I want how I want won't God love me and do for me? However, isn't that okay? And, and Paul quickly says no to that. But here's what I want you to, to know. When we ask such questions, when we say, I know God would want me to, but, or I know this isn't the right thing to do, but, what we're saying is, well, I think I can sin. I think I could, can embrace a little bit of that in, in this. And, and here's what I wrote in that. There's a truth revealed in that question the answer is no, but the truth is revealed in the fruit. Like that, that question is the fruit of something. And inside of that apple, so to speak, is that bite. And what's revealing about it is how we are standing with God. When, when we start to wrestle with sin and, and convince ourselves it's okay and God will forgive us, what we're really saying is, I'm telling myself and the world around me the condition of my standing with God. And, and that's why I bought a, an apple. I went to the store, there's a pink lady apple. I, I don't know, they were just, it was just the prettiest. Just, I looked at a red delicious, y'all. They're not delicious. So just in case I had lunch afterwards, I know some of you are leaving the church. I get to, that's all right. But I just, I thought, man, that's a beautiful apple. And when you look at an apple, it tells you a lot. It tells you what kind of tree it came from, doesn't it? What tree did this come from? Apple tree. Thank you. That's right. Some of you are slow. I don't know if you're asleep or you're just not sure. Like, uh, trick question, Pastor. Not a trick question. An, an apple comes from an apple tree, right? Yeah. It tells you the condition of the tree. When you look at this apple... Do you think it's a healthy tree or a sick tree? I think it's healthy. It's, it's pretty. There's no sign on this apple 
that should give me a thought that the tree is unhealthy this tells me like i want to go hang out in that orchard i want i want to go pick apples at this place it looks like at least there's one tree there that, that's doing well it also tells you the course of the tree like what you can expect in the future if it comes from an apple tree and the tree that it was pulled from appears healthy then what do you think the future of that tree looks like healthy good fruitful right like there's there's hope if you've gone apple my grandparents used to go apple picking on trips if you go apple picking and you came back and you brought back an apple that looked like this and you said y'all need to go check this place out they had the most beautiful apples ever right it, it's so good we, we would go pick blueberries growing up same kind of thing christy and i and the kids and, and we would see repeat visitors like you find the good sections that aren't overrun and, and it was just amazing to see like you go back to that because you believe the future is healthy in the same way that an apple tells us the kind the condition and the 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 course of a tree the fruit of your life they don't just testify to others they tell you what kind of person am i where do i stand am i really rooted in grace like i think i am or am i not the fruit of your life tells you the condition of your spirit right it tells you am i healthy in a right relationship with god or am i unhealthy are things going poorly and the fruit of your life it also can let you know the course what's ahead and those are the things we're going to talk about as we look through romans chapter 6 verse 15 through 18 so if you have a bible and let's read it together I'm going to switch back and forth. My, I've got my giant print Bible, but my iPad's bigger. So if I ever look here and I'm reading Scripture, it's really Scripture. But look at verse 15. We'll read all the way down through. Let's go through 18 as we get rolling this morning. It says, What then are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness but thanks be to god that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin you have then become slaves of righteousness now this is what paul says he says first of all as he writes that i want you to know you don't have to guess what kind of of life you are living god makes it very clear just like an apple says it comes from an apple tree we know the same thing as we look at this assessment of your life i was in the bank the other day i told this to a friend um walked into the bank and christy and i were sitting with a uh, a gal in, in her little office and whatnot and a guy was leaving and he was not in a good mood I'm like, if you're not leaving the bank in a good mood these days, you know, what's going on? But it had nothing to do with money. It had to do with politics, right? And not that politics has ever ruined any friendships in this world, but in this case, he shouts out this quote, and then he says, I better leave now before I get myself in trouble. And I thought, too late. He, he says, I prefer dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery, which is a Thomas Jefferson translation. Jefferson actually said it, uh, I believe, in Latin, and so it can be loosely translated a couple of ways. But he says, I, I prefer a 
a dangerous freedom over a peaceful slavery. And this kind of thought process, it's rooted in a, a, a thought that Jefferson had, actually. And the thought was this, that it is okay to do evil every now and then because even evil can be productive and can do some good. Right? And as he was leaving, like, I'm the worst. Like, I've learned not to laugh out loud when people say stuff like that because I don't want to get shot, right? I was like, do you know what you're saying about yourself? Even when, when Jefferson said it, if, if we say, I, I believe and I follow the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I want you to know what the Lord Jesus Christ lived and said, because he came to be a servant, what the Spirit inspired Paul in the New Testament to say is, you on this life, you are a slave. You are either a slave to sin, or you are a slave to a right relationship with God. Like, that's, that's it. Right? In, in marriage, and I, and I use marriage a lot because I think it's the best picture of our relationship with God. If you're married, you're, you're a slave to one another. You serve one another. That's why when you're being bullheaded and thinking about yourself, your marriage stinks. Oh, you're welcome right because you when you get married you say i you're my everything and so i pour myself out for you as an offering to my god when you're not married you're free from being married you're a slave to yourself right you do what you want to do even when you don't want to do it but both are slavery so so what Jefferson missed, we can't miss. There are two types of people in this world. Those who are slaves to sin. Verse 16, don't you know if you present yourselves as anyone as obedient slaves, you are, the, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, of a, or of obedience which leads to righteousness like like your fruit though what you are producing what you are embracing that proves it out so when you and i make excuses of why to say i live in the grace of god while i spit in his face and choose to embrace my sin over and over and over again without repentance what paul would say is who are you being obedient to, not with your mouth, but with your life? That will tell you the kind of tree that you are. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. We're in the process, right, of being sanctified, of being made holy. But, but David was a man after God's own heart because when he sinned, you know what he did? Men who've been in the Bible study, what did he do? He repented. It didn't mean he was perfect, but every time the Lord brought his sin forward, he confessed and repented wholeheartedly before God. And so when you and I live our life, the question starts to become, who am I? Don't look at your lips. Look at your obedience. Look at your actions. Look at your heart. Because that will tell you who you are being obedient to 
that's the kind of tree you are and who you willingly make yourself obedient to that's the tree that's the kind that's your standing that will let you know in, in this room church you may have been coming to church your whole life and your lips and your Sunday morning show that but when you make that honest assessment you may say I am constantly undeniably unashamedly obedient to myself my desires and sin if that is the case that's why this was written so that you would look into God's word and see what he says about the fruit of your life. And there are only two types of trees, of people in this world, a slave to sin, a slave to righteousness. We can look at Matthew chapter 13, and the parable of the sower, right? You, you follow me? If you're not, this isn't a, a new, it's the first time with church for you. Uh, Jesus tells a parable about a sower that scatters seed. And some seed gets snatched up quickly. It's on the hard ground. Some seed falls into a different ground, and it's, it's rocky, so it has shallow roots. It pops up quickly, and just the persecution, the heat burns it out. The third falls around uh, into different soil that's real thorny, and the cares of the world choke it out. And then some falls on good soil, and it yields fruit some a hundredfold, right? So there's your, your, your story of that, Matthew 13. You can go back and check it out. Now, you might say, well, Pastor, then there... If there are four types of soil, then there may be four types of trees. Are you missing something? There may be four types of soils, but there's only two categories of soil, right? The first leads to death, the second leads to death, the third leads to death. That's one category, death. The fourth leads to life. That's a category, life, right? The course makes it clear. And so what we're being obedient to, where we're hard against the will of God and we're, we're boasting in our sin, should I keep sinning? Go back to 15. Whether we like the word of God until it comes up against some difficulty in our life, our wants and our passions, that leads to death, slave, or whether we're one that we liked it, it took root, and we've seen green grow. Not fruit, but green grow. But when the cares and the worries and the desires of this world crowd us out, that wins over and over again, unashamedly, unrepentedly. That's death. And, and church, we don't love looking in the mirror because we've gotten used to see death. So we like taking it in and forgetting about it. But if you are a slave to righteousness, it's completely different. What the Bible says is, if you are a sin, excuse me, verse uh, 16, do you not know, present yourself to anyone's obedient slaves, you are slaves the one you obey, either uh, sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to rightness. See, when your life is striving and seeking with sincerity, not perfection, to be a slave to a right relationship with God, even when you fail, you, your fruit tells what kind of person, what kind of relationship you have, how you stand with God, right? I mean, I mean think, think through that. How horrible is it, right? This is a mo mother-father moment. Your kids are sitting by you. They can play this game. I mean, just turn and say I, to your spouse, it's so hard. Well, don't say this. I'm going to get you in trouble. Don't say it. It doesn't feel like slavery 
to cultivate a right standing with your spouse, does it? Doesn't it feel good? Doesn't it feel good to wake up every day next to someone who says, I today want to wake up and go to bed with us running the same pace on the right footing and have the most incredible day of marriage ever. Right? Anyone's like, oh, I don't want that kind of marriage. I'd much rather wake up fighting, hate each other all day, and go to sleep with one eye open just in case. Right? You're obedient to your covenant, but it doesn't feel like slavery because it gives life. Are you tracking with, are you following that? When you and I are living as obedient to a right relationship with God, we are underneath the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is your master. No bones about it. You are not his peer. Amen? He is different. But it doesn't feel like slavery because it's just so right. That's what Paul's saying. And your fruit can tell you that. Not what your lips say, but what does your life say about obedience? Let's keep going on. Um, Verse 19 through 22, we'll, we'll keep rolling. We'll look at the condition, the, how the condition of our fruit tells us the condition um, of our relationship with God. Oh, verse 19 says it this way uh, through 22. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Uh, for just as you once uh, presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. Now you present your members to slaves of righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when, verse 20, you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards of righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God... The fruit you get leads to sanctification and to its end, eternal life. So believe it or not, I studied apples this week, right? I mean, believe it, it's, it's, it was actually a riveting part of my week. Do you know that there are a lot of ways that you can see sickness in an apple? If your apple tree gets a virus, it will show on the apple, and there's no way to, to get a real virus out of an apple tree. Normally, they come in because a bad tree has been grafted into something that wasn't made to be bad. Well, that'll preach, won't it? Sometimes it's by the condition of the soil. One disease I looked at, and it can make your apples look crazy. One was called the, a bitter pit disease. That sounds yummy. A bitter pit disease. Now, here's what's funny. Although the apple looks weird, because it's lacking calcium and some other things from the soil, when you pull the tree, the tree may look fine. But when you pull the fruit off of it, as long as the fruit's on the tree, it doesn't really, it looks nasty, but it doesn't taste bitter. But when you pull it off the tree, very shortly afterwards, guess what happens to the apple when you bite it? It tastes bitter. As long as it is connected and has a little life in it, you can't see the damage that's being done. But when it's plucked, 
that bitterness is revealed quickly. I started thinking, man, that, that reveals the condition. A lot of us walk around, and as long as we're connected to a small group, as long as we're connected to a church service, as long as we're connected to the right people, in those situations, we, we can be diseased, but we don't feel like we're bitter against God. We don't feel like we're bitter in sin. But when you remove us from those situations, I don't know, let's pretend we're at the Little League Baseball Park. Right? When you remove us from that accountable environment, our fruit reveals the true condition of our heart, of our standing with God. Right? When we're around the right group of people, it maybe it looks good. Maybe it doesn't. But the fruit reveals the condition of our life. And, and this is where it kind of splits a little bit because it, it reveals your condition. If you are a Christian, there's something to be heard in here. If you are not a, a believer in Jesus Christ, there's something to be heard here. But the fruit really starts to look the same way. And that's why I want to lean into that just a little bit. Go back to verse 19. Let's just read that. I'm speaking of human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to sin, to impurity and to lawlessness, uh, leading, uh, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members to slaves as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. You see, when you and I are being obedient to sin... It has a course. The fruit, the condition of your fruit, it starts to show. Fungus on the outside, rot on the inside, whatever it feels like. Some are more public, some are more private. But when we're living obediently to sin, impurity, that impurity leads to lawlessness. And that lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. And I, and I think in Texas, when I think lawlessness, I think wild, wild west, right? Like people walking around with badges and guns. But, but that's not it. The, the word lawlessness is this picture wantonness shameful behavior in fact i wrote down motion sickness when you are a slave to sin life doesn't feel right especially if you profess jesus christ and you're under his discipline especially it, it starts to feel like motion sickness like every decision that you make you're really just trying to get your bearings so that you can move forward in a way that's healthy and that feels right and what's funny is, it seems like for a moment it might pass, but not long afterwards it'll kick in again. Because sin, that is impurity, it leads to lawlessness, which leads to more lawlessness, which leads to more, it's just grasping at straws. So I had a dad moment uh, this weekend. I, was, I realized uh, on a drive back to, to camp that uh, my, my fuel light was on. And I had 19 miles left, and that was not a good moment. And so I pull into a, a little gas station, and I hear a song playing at the gas station. Y'all, that's how I'm hip and trendy right there. If I'm listening to a current song, it's probably at the gas station. But the words of it, it felt so authentic to that impurity that leads to wantonness because I felt it before in my life, and I've had a thousand conversations. So let me read you just kind of the, the chorus of this song. Again, it's a dad song, so it's been out for a while, apparently, uh, by a young lady called uh, M. Behold. It's called Numb Little Bug. And this is what it says. 
do you ever get a little bit of tired of life like you're not really happy but you don't want to die like you're hanging by a thread but you've got to survive because you have to survive like your body's in the room but you're not really there like you have emptiness inside and you don't really care like you're fresh out of love but it's been in the air and my past repair this was number one on the adult hits last year church we cannot pretend that that fruit is what you were made for because here's the problem when we joyfully identify with that what we're saying is I want to accept this disease that I wasn't made for because I see enough people that at least I can find community in embracing my hurt it reveals this choice this choice that says I am a slave to sin and this is how it feels have you ever felt that way we are not great at being authentic in public but sometimes I think we need to know we're not alone has sin ever made you feel like you don't have a purpose and like you're just numb and you want to escape it but you don't know how I'm going to ask you to do something crazy and if you don't you're not, not disciplining you but just to encourage someone else that there's hope would you just raise your hand if you've ever been there in sin like it's just helpless or hopeless yeah thank you because that's the condition that sin leaves you in it makes you think that anything that makes you not numb is real and all of a sudden pain even though it's death at least feels similar to life church that's what Paul says when he says church that's what the fruit of being a slave to sin it will always feel like but in being obedient to Christ that is not where it leads in being obedient to Christ it leads to life church we do way too much joking about hard things because it makes stirs up the wrong way to express things in us and that has to change it's not enough to, to just hope it's not enough to just want it, it has to be real was reading a statistic and these are my kids age groups I know identity is a hot topic right now and I and I use these two because they know they're big 
But identity's been a hot topic since the garden. The enemy said, you don't like being a man, you can be a god. You don't like being a woman, you can be a god, right? That's, that's the sin of the garden. So conversation about identity is not new. You, do, you don't like being this way, just have all these things done to you. If, if you don't like the way your body is shaped, reshape it. If you don't like the way you look, relook. And I'm, I, I'm talking about your physical appearance, not just identity stuff. We just got to just, instead of yielding to you in obedience, I want to take the reins into my own hands. And so what's happened is we're raising a generation who knows the talk and knows how to walk, but doesn't believe in Jesus Christ because they have seen or they've heard the lips from their parents and their grandparents' mouths, but they have seen the condition of the fruit of their life that says it's death, it's not life. And then we bless out a generation for their lostness instead of saying, God, how can you use me to show them what obedience to righteousness looks like? 21%, age 11 to age 26, identify themselves as LGBTQ, right? For an older generation, you're, you're probably gasping because it was 3%. But this conversation is the same one that happened in the garden. But here's the problem. Here's the new message that, I don't know, media, conversations, I'm not saying all medias, golly gee. But, but here's what it, what it leans to. If we affirm the thought that who God has made you, the color of your skin, we can go back years for that, the gender you're in, we can go back years to that, unique and special, we can go back years to that, then we affirm this thought. We are saying that sin is not it is not our sin that is the problem. We are saying the master tree is diseased, sick, slipping, and imperfect. And when we become obedient to this way of thinking, we are no longer in needs of God's grace, but instead live a life as if he is in need of ours. these aren't the only two conditions of our life. But when you and I start to justify the condition, like, you know what, you're never going to find a perfect apple. In fact, if you look closely enough, there's a bruise on this one from mishandling. You're never going to see it messed up. You're never going to see it perfect. When we give in to, I'm just going to embrace a little sin here, embrace a little bit of life here, and we'll figure it all out in the end. I have time to think through it. When that's the condition that you embrace, what you begin saying in your life, even though you won't say it with your lips, is God is imperfect and he is in need of my grace because he made me this way and he should not have. He made me look like this. He made my body shaped like this. He made my mind slow like this. He made my skin look like this. So he needs my grace. 
because sin is obedience and impurity and leads to wantonness and we can't accept our lostness. We embrace lostness and we reject God. But you were made differently because the condition of a slave to righteousness is sanctification that leads to life. And, and the word sanctification we throw around. Here's what the word sanctification means. It means you are special and you are unique. Stop trying to be something that fits someone else. Be who I made you to be. When Jesus died for you, he created you and he's restoring you. And what he's saying to you is, you are special and unique, and I have set you apart for a special relationship, for a special role, for a special purpose. But the world says you are unique and you are special by doing what we have asked you to conform to, to lawlessness. It's trying to steal the Creator's truth. When you are rooted in obedience to a right relationship with me, then the condition of your life, it starts to reveal my special plan for you. For the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, church, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Is the skin of your life, is it speaking to that health? If it is not, and you walk with Jesus Christ, repent, because you are special. And if you don't walk with Jesus Christ, you were not made for what you are experiencing. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. And you may have had bad examples claiming Christ in your home, at work, in your church, in your life group. Abandon those blocks and seek life. Verse 20 through 23 tells us the condition of our life or the course of our life excuse me verse 20 says it this way I didn't write it in my notes so I've got to pull it up here for when you were slaves of sin you were free in regards to righteousness but what fruit were you getting at that time of things which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death but now that you have been set free from sin and you have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, embracing your uniqueness and holiness under God's design, not rejecting it. And its end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What you taste 
from the, the fruit you're producing in your life. It's meant to let you know your future. If in your life you are a slave to yourself, to sin, to others, that wantonness is just an early taste of death. And if you're breathing, you're too young for that. It's a taste. It's not all that awaits. And it's the full deserving wage of the life you chose to live even if you didn't know how to escape it. But the free gift of God is life eternal. But it won't come through you. It won't come through your friends. comes through Jesus Christ and when you embrace him and become a slave to a right relationship with him then what you are tasting that is sweet is just a, a, a bite of what awaits you on the horizon when you're reunited with the Lord when I switched majors in college I did it mainly to get married quicker but it made me have to look at people so much more and here's what I've learned and I've seen even in senior adults today this the ridiculous hurtfulness of sin that forces teenagers and children to embrace it to survive their younger years is rarely recorrected by ripe fruit of those around them later on in life. And so right now, if you've been kept from life because of the hurt of your past, let me invite you to live differently. You can't do it on your own and you can't do it because I can do something for you. I cannot. But Jesus Christ can. Because he can cut your tree and take it away from that diseased stalk and he can graft it to his life so that the newness of life, of health, invades every part of you. But you must submit to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it is good. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, Lord, the reality of this lawless wantonness that brings shame, where we put on a great face, we, we joke about it. 
we look for others to affirm it, God, but we, we know we can't escape it because it's true. There is something wrong and there will always be something wrong when the condition of our heart reveals that we are being slaves to sin. Because it doesn't produce love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. It produces hate and loathing and resentment and rejection. And the enemy desires us to think that as long as someone else has those fruits too, at least we have a place to belong. But you made us unique. But God, we screwed it up. And so you sent your son so that through him we could know our uniqueness fully. And so if there's anyone in this room and in this place, God, that doesn't know that, that doesn't have that right relationship with you, God, I pray that you would allow them to confess it, to become a slave to rightness with you, and to abandon, Lord, what has captured them.